Hallelujah. Galatians chapter 3. Galatians 3. We will begin by reading verses 1 through 5. Galatians 3, verses 1 through 5. Paul writes, You foolish Galatians, who has hypnotized you, before whose eyes Yeshua Messiah was vividly portrayed as crucified, I only want to learn this from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish after beginning with the Spirit, are you now going to be made complete by the flesh? Did you suffer so much for nothing, if in fact it was for nothing? So then, does the Almighty supply you with the Spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? May Yahweh bless His word to our hearts this day. When I began to study Paul's epistle to the Galatians back in 2016, I believed I had a fairly good handle on what the epistle was about. But you will never know what a book of Scripture is about until you spend much and serious time studying that book. And it is amazing, truly amazing for me to see the original thoughts of the Apostle Paul develop as I study and study and study. You cannot see these thoughts by just casually reading the Bible. Now, I don't want to discourage anybody in their Bible reading. That's a must, and that's an excellent place to begin. We all need to be reading the Bible every day. But if you're interested in getting into the mind of Paul or any of the biblical authors, you've got to invest a lot of time reading and studying and meditating, thinking on what these authors wrote. And in particular, you've got to think about the culture and the context in which they write. If you want to get the gold nuggets, you've got to go mining. And this is why I spend time preparing sermons to help aid you and get you started in your research because I love you. That's why I do it. I love the Father first and foremost. But I love his people. And I spend time doing this because I want to help people understand the Bible. And I believe Yahweh has given me a gift and I don't want to bury it. I want to use it for his glory. And so thus I'm here teaching again and we're on part 17 of the book of Galatians. Going into chapter 3. We're not going to get in a hurry. We're going to take our time because chapter 3 has probably got more in it than any other chapter in Galatians. I'm excited about it. Very much looking forward to going through it verse by verse. I'm going to do a little bit of review in this lesson just to catch us back up to speed. It's been about a month since I taught through Galatians. So, What happens when people study this book is that they bring all kinds of baggage, all kinds of ideas to the table with them. Most of the time, people do this without even realizing it. We all read the Bible through a certain lens, a personal lens, a lens that sometimes comes from how we were raised, or a lens that is based on what we already think to be true. And so I know that I read the Bible through a lens. I have found out this certain times while I'm studying and all of a sudden realize, hey, I'm reading this wrong because I'm reading it through 
my own lens or in my own way, in my own glasses. And I don't want to know what Matthew thinks. I want to know what Yahweh thinks, right? So when I began to read and study this epistle, I prayed to Yahweh. And I prayed that he would help me let go of the baggage that I had. I wanted to drop any suitcases that I had, and then I wanted to dig in here and check make sure I didn't have anything in my pockets, Brother Jerry. And I wanted to drop all of that, too. Anything that Matthew thought that he had hammered out or ironed out, I wanted to let all that go. I wanted to get rid of my own thoughts and get Yahweh's thoughts. So I prayed, and I believe that Yahweh answered my prayer. I do. I believe that I've discovered what is the original reason for and message of this epistle. And it takes work to do this. Labor. But it also takes honesty and a desire for the truth. If you have all of those, if you're willing to work and labor in the Word, and you're honest, and you have a desire for only the truth, Yahweh, in time, Yahweh will reward you with His truths as you study. I promise you. He blesses effort. He blesses obedience. So if you're interested in unearthing concepts and beliefs that are original, then you get to spend the rest of your life doing this. Letting go of what you think you know and spending years studying through and rehearsing a single book or single chapter in the Bible because your goal is to know that chapter or that book better and better and better so that you have more wisdom, so that you know better about what you believe and what you practice. Now, I initially thought that Galatians was about the relationship between law and grace. Are we saved by grace or saved by keeping the law? Can we believe in both law and grace? And I have found that this epistle does deal with these questions to some degree in general. For instance, in the last message I taught through Galatians, we covered chapter 2, verse 21, where Paul wrote, I do not set aside the grace of the Almighty, for if righteousness comes through the law, then Messiah died for nothing. See, if we begin to believe that our right standing with Yahweh is based on the law, then why did the Messiah even come? Why did he even die? If we could be declared innocent by doing something in the law, then there was no need for Yeshua to go through the pain and the agony and the scorn that he went through. And so Paul wrote Galatians 2.21 because there were some people there in the first century that were misusing the law and abusing the law. And Paul's point is that righteousness does not come through the law for either the Judahite or the Gentile. The law is strong in showing us our sin but it is powerless to remove our sin. The law can only keep telling you what you need to do, but it cannot cleanse you from your unrighteousness. The gospel of grace and the Messiah does what the law cannot do. It removes our sin. Now that does not mean that we shouldn't be obedient to the law after being forgiven and made righteous by grace. The life of a disciple of Christ is a life that has been changed from an old nature to a new nature. A man that was not saved from his sins, that gets saved from his sins, he doesn't think like he used to think. He hates the things that he once loved and he loves the things that he once hated because Yahweh did what? Changed his nature, his heart and his mind, the seat of emotions. That's the life of a disciple of Christ. And walking in that new nature means that you have a desire to be obedient. 
And you won't be able to get rid of it because Yahweh is the one that put it there. Walking in that new nature is not a denial of the Messiah. It's a loving response to the gift that you have been given. You've been given eternal life. So we are not saved by good works, but we are saved unto good works. Good works naturally flow out of a heart and mind that has been changed by our Creator. But good works are not the basis of our salvation. The basis of our salvation is grace in Messiah. However, the law of grace issue is not the primary message of Paul to the Galatians like I was thinking. Now it's intertwined, but it's not the primary message. I showed at the beginning of this series that Galatians was not written to the Judahite believers in the Messiah, the ones that had been grown up in the Torah and raised by an Israelite family and were obedient, kept the feast days, circumcised on the eighth day the males were, etc. This epistle wasn't specifically written to the Judahite believers in the Messiah, but rather the Gentile believers in the Messiah. And it's important to correctly identify who the Gentiles are. The word Gentile, goy in Hebrew, ethnos in Greek, it is not a word that means either divorced or scattered Israelite, or non-Israelite. It is a word that is used primarily in both the Old Testament and the New Testament to mean a heathen person outside of the covenant with Yahweh. It can be referencing divorced Israelites, but if you study the actual word, if you take the time to do it in the Old Testament and the New Testament, it is most often used of non-Israelites in foreign nations. The key is that its primary use is a person who was born to and raised by outsiders, not insiders. By people not of the covenant rather than of the covenant. Now you don't arrive at that understanding by just taking five minutes to look up a word in Strong's Concordance. That's a good start. That's a good place to begin. But that's not how you determine what a word means. You arrive at that understanding by carefully examining how the word is used through all of Scripture in context and also in ancient culture. Now, a Gentile male was uncircumcised because his family did not serve the Mighty One of Israel. This heathen man might later in life hear the message about Yeshua the Messiah. and He may believe that message in order to receive salvation from his sins. Many of the Gentiles who came to believe in Yeshua were already fearers of the Almighty who had been attending Judahite synagogue services, non-Messianic synagogues, but they were attending the synagogues of the Jews in the land of Israel also in other parts of the known world at that time. But these Gentiles were looked upon as second-class citizens and they were not considered to be sons of Abraham because they had not formally converted to Judaism. And Judaism, if you remember part 7 in the series, Judaism is not originally a bad word. Judaism originally meant, if you study the Apocrypha, and also the use in Galatians, it originally meant the way of life for the people of Judah. Really what it means is Torah observant. It's Yahweh's people. Well, because the Gentiles had not formally converted to Judaism, they were not proselytes. Remember in Acts chapter 2 where it talks about Jews and proselytes? 
Jews were those that were by birth. Proselytes were those who had converted formally to Judaism through ritual circumcision. Well, the Gentiles that attended the synagogue services, they were called Elohim fearers or Yah fearers, but they were not considered sons of Abraham. They were second class, really not part of the covenant, really not as special or as good as the Judahites. And Cornelius in Acts chapter 10 is a prime example of this. He's called a good man who feared the Almighty along with his whole house. He gave charity and he always prayed to the Almighty. And if you read Acts chapter 10, Yahweh was listening to Cornelius' prayers. Now that lets you know that Cornelius wasn't a lawless man because Proverbs 28 and 9 says, He that turneth his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer should be an abomination. Right? So Cornelius was not a lawless man. He wasn't a mischievous man. But he was not a Judahite. He was not part of the covenant. And the main thing about Cornelius was he was raised in a heathen home and thus he was uncircumcised. But he had a good reputation among the Judahites. But he was not a Judahite by birth. And in not being a Judahite by birth, Cornelius was not considered to be an Israelite. By all the other Israelites that attended the synagogue services, when they looked at Cornelius, they looked at Cornelius as a non-Israelite because of his status of not converting to the faith of Judah. He was considered to be a goy, a heathen outsider, uncircumcised in the flesh, raised in a non-Israelite home. When Gentiles like Cornelius came to believe in the Messiah, like he did in Acts chapter 10, and that's because Yahweh sent an apostle who spoke words by which Cornelius and his household would be saved. They were saved by the words that were preached by the Apostle Peter, according to Acts chapter 11. I'm getting ahead of myself, but we're going to talk about that next week. I get a little excited because I love all of this. It's just, this is my favorite thing to do, is study the Bible. When Cornelius came to believe in the Messiah, some of the Judahites by birth who also professed to believe in the Messiah, they said, Cornelius, for you to have faith in Yeshua is not enough to be a member of the covenant. You can't be saved by just faith in Yeshua. You can't be a son of Abraham by faith. You've got to convert to Judaism through the ritual process that we outline, that we believe. In order to be reckoned on equal footing with us, you've got to be one of us or at least become one of us. See, uncircumcised was shorthand for non-Judahite. A lot of times in the New Testament when you read about uncircumcision and circumcision, it's talking about Gentiles and Jews. The same idea affected the females, minus the circumcision. But females that were born to non-Judahite families, they were considered heathen and low-class goy. Paul's gospel, which came not from himself, remember Galatians 1, 11 through 12? He said, I didn't get this gospel from myself or from a human point of view, or my own feelings, but I got it directly from the Messiah. Paul's Gospel said this, No, Cornelius' sins are forgiven, and he has equal covenant status with all of the Judahites by birth, even though he's not circumcised, because he has placed his trust and faith in the Messiah, whom Yahweh sent. So Cornelius became a son of Abraham by faith not by ethnicity, not by genealogy, not by bloodline. He became a son of Abraham by faith. 
This was the gospel to the Gentiles, and this is what the book of Galatians is actually about. Now, there was a distorted gospel, and Paul warns these Galatian Gentile believers in the very first chapter. He warns them about quickly turning away from the gospel of grace and Messiah to another gospel. Now, the reason they were turning away is because Paul had went on a missionary journey to the different places, the different churches or assemblies in Galatia, and he had preached the gospel to them, and they had received it by faith. But what happened was there were some, there were some Judahite believers, Paul calls them false brothers, they were actually going behind Paul at the same place as he had been preaching at. They were going behind him, and they were stirring up trouble. Acts chapter 15 says they were causing trouble. They were troublemakers. And they stirred up trouble, and they contradicted Paul's gospel that he got from Yeshua. And they said, no, Paul's gospel's wrong. Faith in Yeshua is not enough for you to be saved. You have to also convert to become a Judahite proselyte in order for your sins to be forgiven and be a son of Abraham and be in the covenant. And so the Gentiles were being pressured so much over and over and over that eventually they were caving in to this gospel of the Judahite believers, some of them. Some Judahites were teaching the male Gentiles that they needed to convert to Judaism before they could really be saved. What that meant was primarily get circumcised by our parameters and you've punched your ticket and you don't have to worry about anything else. Now, if you don't believe that that's what they were teaching, look at what Paul wrote, and we'll eventually get to this in Galatians 6, but Paul wrote this in Galatians 6.13. He says, For even the circumcised, remember that's shorthand for Judahites, don't keep the law themselves. However, they want you to be circumcised, talking about the Gentiles, in order to boast about your flesh. Galatians 6.13. They were teaching salvation through circumcision instead of salvation through by grace through faith in the Messiah. So the false gospel was teaching salvation by becoming a Judahite rather than salvation by grace through faith in Christ. Now, the Judahites were not saying that a Gentile had no chance at salvation. It wasn't like Cornelius would come to the synagogue and they would say, no, get away, you can't be any part of this. That was not the mindset of the Judahites. They were just saying that a Gentile had to go through a formal conversion of becoming a Judahite in order to receive salvation in Messiah and become a son of Abraham. Paul said, that's hogwash. And in Galatians 3, he says, you are foolish for believing that. Who has hypnotized you? King James says, who has bewitched you? I want to point out in review that the elders agreed with Paul. He went privately to the elders. He had a private meeting with the elders, the Bible says, to make sure he wasn't running the race in vain. In other words, he knew if what he was preaching was true, then the elders would have to agree with him. When I say the elders, I'm talking specifically about Peter, James, and John. They were all Torah-observant Judahites. They'd been raised in Torah-observant homes. But he said, I'm going to have a meeting with them, make sure I'm not running in vain. And the elders agreed with Paul. They gave him their stamp of approval. They gave him, the Bible says, the right hand of fellowship. Paul took Titus with him. Titus was a Greek believer in Yeshua. Paul took Titus with him to that private meeting. And these head Messianic elders, Peter, James, and John in Jerusalem, they did not force Titus to become circumcised. And it was because of the false brothers who were making conversion to Judaism a prerequisite for salvation. 
Now, the Messianic elders, Peter, James, and John, were all circumcised. They all believed in circumcision. Paul himself was circumcised and believed in circumcision. But they did not force Titus the Greek believer in Yeshua to be circumcised in order to show the false brothers that their doctrine was in error. This is much more about the doctrine and the mindset of these Judahite false brothers than it is the commandment of circumcision. It wasn't so much about the commandment of circumcision. Had Titus said, you know what, I've been studying the Bible, I'd like to be circumcised, there'd be nothing wrong with that. The false brothers in Judah were saying, you must go through this in order to be forgiven of your sins. You must do this first. Faith in Yeshua is not enough. You must do this first. It was about these Judahites thinking that ritual circumcision as they prescribed it was the hoop to jump through to get yourself saved. It was these works of the law that they held up for salvation. And Paul and the Jerusalem elders were tearing down this false gospel. Paul says in Galatians 2, we didn't back down for even an hour so that the truth of the gospel of grace and Messiah, salvation solely by faith, would stand firm. And so we go back to chapter 3, and as we begin in 3, 1 through 5, Paul is chastising the Gentile believers in the Messiah. He doesn't mince words. He starts off by calling them foolish. And then he says, who's hypnotized you? Who's got you under a spell to believe this? But Paul chastises them for caving into the false gospel. And he asks them in verses 2 through 3, Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law? And I put a parenthesis in here. That is, a formal conversion to Judaism through ritual circumcision. That's what he means when he says by the works of the law. He's not talking about by honoring your parents or keeping the Sabbath or not committing adultery or not bearing false witness. That's not the subject. That's not the context. Paul is talking about conversion to becoming a Judahite. He said, is this how you receive the Spirit? By the works of the law? Or by hearing with faith? Did you receive the Spirit when you heard the gospel message and you had put faith in it? I believe the Gentiles immediately knew the answer when he asked those questions. He says, are you so foolish after beginning with the Spirit, are you now going to be made complete by the flesh? Flesh there, I believe, means ritual circumcision or the process of becoming a proselyte to Judah. The Galatian Gentiles immediately would know the answer to this. They knew they received the Spirit by hearing with faith. Because they knew what happened to the very first Gentile that this ever happened to. And his name, we keep going back to him, his name was Cornelius. Cornelius was uncircumcised. And in Acts chapter 10, when the Apostle Peter preached the gospel of the Messiah to Cornelius, as Peter was preaching, nobody laid their hands on Cornelius. Cornelius had not even been baptized in water. And the Holy Spirit fell down upon Cornelius in the exact same way that the Holy Spirit of Yahweh fell down on the apostles in Acts chapter 2 when they began to speak in languages they had never learned. Cornelius started speaking in languages that he had never learned and the apostles and a lot of the circumcised believers were amazed. Whoa, what's happening here? Because we know this is a repeat of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. And Peter says, hey... Nobody did this. I didn't lay my hands on them. We hadn't baptized them. This has to be coming from the Heavenly Father. So are any of you here watching this going to forbid me to baptize Cornelius in water who has received the Holy Spirit even as we did? And then he went and baptized him in water. So Cornelius received the Spirit. How? 
By hearing with faith, not by the works of the law. So what Paul is telling these Gentiles is, you know this, guys. Why are you trying to go back and purchase something that's already been given to you as a gift? Why are you trying to go do something that's already been done? Let me illustrate this for you. If I buy you a genuine leather Bible, the best one you could ever pick out, your name printed on the front, and I bring it next Sabbath and I give it to you, I place it in your hands and I say, here is a gift from Brother Matthew to you, Brother Jerry. This is your Bible. This is your gift. I wanted to give it to you out of the goodness of my heart. You don't owe me anything, brother. That's yours. You didn't pay for it. You didn't earn it. You don't have to do anything for it. I expect you to use it. I expect you to read it, use it wisely. But you don't have to buy it because I bought it for you. I wanted to give something to you. That's a gift. If Brother Jerry was to drive over to the bookstore that I bought that Bible from the next day after the Sabbath, walk up to the cashier, show him that Bible, and say, I want to pay for this Bible. The cashier is going to pull up the record, and it's going to say, paid in full. And he will tell Brother Jerry, Sir, this Bible has already been paid for by a man named Matthew Jansen. He came in and bought this Bible previously and had your name printed on it. This is a gift Bible. It's already been paid for. You don't owe anything. How foolish would it be for you to continue to insist that you pay for a gift that's already been paid for? As Paul said in Galatians 3.1, who has hypnotized you? Who has put you under a spell to think that you are not in the family of Yahweh when He gave you His Spirit by hearing with faith? And you remember when it happened. You remember the first Gentile that it happened to named Cornelius in Acts chapter 10. Who has bewitched you? Paul is so upset with these Galatian Gentiles because their status was already a gold membership. But the Judaic believers, some of them, not all of them, Peter, James, and John, and Paul were welcoming them in. And, and many of them were welcoming him. But some of them were false brothers. And some of them were saying, no, you're a silver member or a bronze member. Or you're not even a member. You're not a son of Abraham. Second class, still a goy. Yeah, you just stay over there. You do your little thing over there. Hey, you, you'll be all right. Just do what we tell you to do. You're not really one of us. And Yahweh was saying, no, 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 no. I gave Cornelius the same gift that I gave the Apostle Peter. The one that I gave the keys to the kingdom to. The gift that he got, the spirit that he got, my presence indwelling him. Cornelius got it too. Yahweh himself gave them his stamp of approval. It was paid for by Yahweh through Yeshua the Messiah at Calvary. They received it by faith and it was made evident by the gift of languages, the gift of the Spirit coming upon them when they heard the message and believed. The Apostle Peter says in Acts 15, Yahweh gave witness to the salvation of the Gentiles. Peter is actually saying it is as though Yahweh, the Almighty Himself, got up on the witness stand and said, Cornelius and his family are saved and they have the, my Spirit and they had not converted to becoming Judahites. <laughs> That's what Peter says in Acts 15. He said, Yahweh made choice among us that by my mouth the Gentiles would first hear the word, this message of the gospel, and believe. And he put no distinction between us, Judahites, and them purifying their hearts by faith. By faith. They were forgiven. So when a Judahite told a Gentile that they had to meet an extra requirement above faith in the Messiah in order to be a first class covenant member, they were distorting the gospel 
Paul pronounced a curse on, the, on them when they did that. He said, cursed be anyone that preaches another gospel than the gospel of grace in the Messiah. Now, next week, we're going to look more at Galatians 3, 1 through 5. I'm going to have to teach Galatians 3, verse by verse. This was more of a review to catch us up to speed, get our minds back rolling in the right direction. But we're going to look at Galatians 3, 1 through 5, and we're going to do some intricate comparison with Acts 10 and 11. And I'm going to show you that uncircumcised Cornelius and other Gentiles received the gift of the Holy Spirit by hearing with faith, and not by converting to become a proselyte Judahite. That's how they received the Holy Spirit. And it was only after, after Cornelius received the Spirit that he was water baptized. Nobody laid hands on him. He wasn't baptized. And I, the reason Yahweh did it that way was so that he could get all the credit for it. Nobody could say they, they were an agent. Nobody could say they were a vessel. Nobody could say, but Peter, you laid your hands on him. You did something. Peter said, look, I didn't even touch the man. All I did was preach. And he heard, he heard, and he believed. And boom, he begins to speak in other languages that he, that he never learned. And, and you read in Acts 10. Go back and read it. I encourage you, read Acts 10 and Acts 11. We're going to go over it next week. You'll get more out of it if you read it this week. There is no, let me close by saying this. There is no better evidence that you are in right standing with Yahweh than that you have, you possess the gift of His Holy Spirit. No better evidence. Don't ever let anybody tell you, if you believe in the gospel message, don't ever let anybody tell you that you've not been filled with the Holy Spirit. Oh, well, you've got to get some kind of second dose. Oh, well, you've got to get some kind of second wave. Oh, you don't really have it. You hadn't done this. You hadn't done that. If you believe the gospel message, if you heard it by faith, you've received the Holy Spirit. The gifts now operate in different ways. Everybody doesn't have the same gift. The reason Yahweh gave Cornelius the gift of languages, by the way, it wasn't gibberish. It was Somebody knew the language, but it was an unknown language to Cornelius. He had never learned that language. Okay? The reason Yahweh gave Cornelius that particular gift was so it would match what the apostles got in Acts 2. So that the people would say, we can't debate with this. Yahweh is doing the exact same thing in Acts 10 that he's done in Acts 2. That's the reason that he got that particular gift. But a person that's filled with the Holy Spirit doesn't have to operate in that particular gift. There's different gifts. There's nine of them in 1 Corinthians 12, and there's even more than that. If you read 1 Corinthians 14, there's even the gift of helps. I said that to a person one time, and they kind of laughed, and I said, no, that's in the Bible. It talks about the gift of helps. I believe some people have the gift of helps. They're helping out all the time. They're always doing help. Behind the scenes, not worried. That's a gift of the Spirit. If you believe the gospel message and you possess at least one gift of the Spirit for the edification of the body as a whole, because that's why the gifts are given, not to build yourself up, but to build up the body. If you believe the gospel and possess a gift, don't ever let anybody tell you, well, you haven't been saved because you haven't jumped through this particular hoop that I want you to jump through. That's what the Judahite believers were doing. I could go into so much more. I love the Bible. Let's stand and have a word of prayer. We'll, we'll continue this next week. Galatians 3, 1 through 5 and Acts 10 and 11. Yahweh, Father, I thank you. I praise you. I worship you. I glorify you. There is none like you. Hallowed be your name. Yahweh, thank you for your word. It truly is a lamp to, to our feet and a light to our path. Help me, Yahweh, understand more and obey more. 
Give me wisdom and knowledge. And thank you, thank you for changing my heart and my mind to believe the good news about the Messiah. It's through Him I pray. Amen.